Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's not about the corner office. It's not about the fancy title. It's not even about the extra money. Responsible leadership is about taking care of those who choose to follow you, and that care takes on many forms. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you the best guests with the best advice to help you succeed in that endeavor. The Responsible Leadership Podcast is a production of The Leadership Phalanx. To find out more about me and what I do, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, P-H. A-L-A-N-X dot com. And now, on to today's show. All right, listeners, welcome to this episode of the Responsible Leadership Podcast. My guest today is Peter Voss. Uh, Peter is a pioneer in AI who coined the term artificial general intelligence. And he's the CEO and chief scientist of Igo.ai. For the past 15 years, Voss and his team at Igo have been perfecting an industry disruptive, highly intelligent, and hyper personalized chatbot with a brain for large enterprise customers. Peter, thanks for being a guest on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to this because, uh, you know, as we were talking in the pre-show work up there, like a lot of my guests, uh, you know, I have I have something very much in common with a military connection, you know, kind of the leadership aspect. Uh, th- this world of of artificial general intelligence is very fascinating to me, and I'm I'm looking forward to learning a lot from you today. Uh, but before we get down that road, I want to start you off where I do start off all of my guests. When you hear the term responsible leadership, what does that look like to you? Well, I've um, started and run several companies. And to me, it has always been, you know, that I take responsibility, overall responsibility for the company. And, you know, I guess the same would be for, uh, you know, division division leads and so on. And that's, you know, really the buck stops here. And it's worrying about having a good vision, having a good plan, uh, having quality. That's always really what's driven me. And quality across not just the, the product and customer experience that you provide, but also within the company, uh, you know, uh, people spend what, you know, 25, 35 sometimes 65% of their lives at work. 
and um, it it needs to be something that they enjoy doing as much as is possible you know not every job is always an, enjoyable so it's it's really just taking responsibility for uh, quality company and quality product mm. No, I like that. I like that a lot. And, uh, you know, kind of just to clarify a little bit here, when I say I don't know that much about uh, AI, I'm really talking about kind of like the the actual science, the coding, the, the technology behind it. Uh, you know, doing what I do, I, I know a, a good amount about like emotional intelligence and, and, uh, and things like that. And I imagine kind of going off of, of your response to the responsible leadership, that's probably the one thing that uh, – that is very critical to having quality AI is really having that human understanding and that emotional intelligence on how humans interact and, and respond to the questions the AI is trying to answer, right? Well, ultimately, yes. I'd, I'd like to say, yes, that's what we're focusing on. But quite frankly, artificial intelligence is still still has a long way to go to really have human level understanding. I mean, I think the experience we have, you know, when you call into a call center and you talk to a robot, most people are just horrified by the experience. Um, you know, there is really no intelligence. So the first barrier is really to for the system to really understand you well enough to give you the right response and, you know, to get stuff done. And quite frankly, that's what what people are yearning for more than anything else is to get stuff done. You know, we all hate having to hang on 45 minutes trying to talk to the bank or, you know, our uh, internet provider. So if you can have an, an AI system, an auto automated system that can actually understand you and get the job done, you know, like that's wonderful. Now, beyond that, yes, ultimately you want to, you want to go beyond that and also have um, the emotional connection. But in most cases, that's, you know, way in the future, actually. Some companies try to fake it by sort of having fake emotions, you know, having some kind of a avatar that smiles or, or making, making jokes or whatever. I mean, those things fall flat very quickly if you're not just getting done what you want to get done. Yeah, you know, and... and Again, um, not understanding a, a lot of those nuances there. You know, I think we, I, I can agree with what you're saying there. We, we've seen, I, I think the the example that comes to mind, you mentioned the phone trees. We've all been in, mm -hmm. in caught in the kind of the phone tree uh, circle there, right? Um, but, you know, a lot of the stuff that's going on, like with robotics and, and using what, what they term artificial intelligence to drive robotics and some of the emotions and stuff that are being portrayed through kind of uh, lifelike robotics. I, I think I can agree with you because they, they, like you said, they try, but some of those videos are actually a little on the scarier side than the reassuring side, would you say? Yes, that is, that is true. But you also need to make a distinction between a video that somebody puts together either to get funding for their company or to promote their company and what they do in the real world. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a huge disconnect between the demos that a lot of companies have on their websites and how the product will actually work in the real world or the robot or, or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I, th I think the, level of sophistication is usually significantly less than what it's portrayed to be. 
Now, uh, you know, we do have uh, problems when you have AI applied to um, people dealing, you know, with um, traumatic post-traumatic stress syndrome or something like that. Uh, but then we're talking about more of a clinical application that, you know, is carefully designed and controlled and, and checked to, to basically operate in a way that's beneficial. But uh, sort of the, you know, the average AI that you come across, uh, whether it's robotics or chatbots or so, um, really don't have uh, any significant level of understanding of emotions. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, when you were talking about that, the example that popped in my head was, you know, when IBM rolled out Watson, uh, like in the medical field and, and things like that, everybody was expecting that to essentially take over for doctors diagnosing illnesses. And uh, a lot of times it really ex- exposes the necessity to have the doctor or, or whatever the, the technician in that field is, right? Correct. Uh, I, I, I think I, I can say safely without the risk of getting sued <laughs> for libel that IBM Watson has turned out to be a real dud. You know, I think that uh, I think even IBM themselves have totally regrouped and virtually shut it down. Uh, it was a great marketing success. I mean, what it did in jeopardy was great, fantastic. But uh, in terms of what it could actually do in the real world, in terms of medical diagnosis and chatbots, um, you know, we ha- we have several clients that we're working with who tried to implement that and it fell completely flat. So again, there was a huge gap between marketing and real world functionality. So now let's go ahead and and, and kind of uh, for listeners uh, who, who may not really know, uh, we hear the term bot a lot used on like uh, social media platforms and it's got a very negative connotation. So when you you use the term chatbot, like how is what what is a chatbot? Like how is it different from something we've kind of been taught to to fear, if you will? <laughs> right. Well, what what you see in the movies in terms of you know uh, bad AI taking over the world and so on. I mean that's it's completely separate domain, and unfortunately it tends to only make for a good story if the AI is the bad guy and, you know, destroys the world or tries to. Um, but, uh, you know, chatbots, the, I mean, the, uh, the experience that many people have is with Alexa and Siri. And, uh, you know, those are chatbots basically in, in a very limited form because they typically can only do, uh, they can't hold a conversation. They can only uh, listen to a single command and then, execute that command and you know like what's the weather um you know and 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 or turn on the lights or or whatever it might be but they don't remember what you said earlier they don't have any context they are not personalized you can't have an ongoing conversation at all with uh, with them you know i mean as far as it goes it might be you might say uh, to illustrate also some of the failures as you might say i hate uber don't ever give me uber again and it'll pop up the, the Uber conversation and say, okay, where do you want to go? How many people are going? And do you want Uber X? You know, and that's sort of just a scripted flowchart of, of simple questions and answers. Um, so that's, that's sort of the chatbot experience that people have. And, um, so something very related to it are the, you know, what you initially referred to as phone trees. Uh, is basically what's called an IVR, interactive voice response. So those are 
a voice rather than t than than text, which of course Siri and Alexa also have a voice interface. But those are, you know, uh, that companies have automated support in some some way where you can have some limited con conversation. So that that's really what chatbots are. Um, it's automating what a, a, a small conversation that normally a, a call centers or a, a support center would would have you know with human agents so you have human chat you know a lot of websites now have a chat window that pops up and uh, it's not always obvious whether you're talking to a human or whether you're talking to a bot um, well it's not always immediately obvious but it usually becomes obvious pretty quickly right yeah, well, and I think, you know, you kind of hit on something there again, and, and this is something when I talk about leadership and military leadership on here, um, I always like to, you know, kind of really clue people in that what what most people are familiar with is a very Hollywood stylized version of what military leadership looks like. And I think it's it's the same thing with artificial intelligence kind of in general. Like most people... You know, they think of movies like, say, Eagle Eye or, or for the folks who have been around uh, a few more trips around the sun than others. Remember, you know, uh, Hal from from Space Odyssey. Yeah. And, and those are always depicted, again, as kind of ominous things. Why do you think that we have this need to depict artificial intelligence as something to be feared versus, and I agree with you when you talk about uh, that it, it it can be a tool, it can be a very effective tool, it can be something that we should, you know, kind of embrace and learn how to use. But why do you think that we fear it as much as we do? Well, I think it's just in stories and in in movies you have to have a villain, and because it's something that doesn't really exist yet and it's something alien to us uh it's easy to turn that into the villain you know you can make it do weird things that uh that are superhuman that are very difficult for for humans to counteract um but then you can also you know show what its limitations and flaws are and how how humans can succeed against you know these machines so I, I don't know. I haven't studied the sort of the you know the the, the history of exactly how that came about. Uh, it it is definitely a cultural thing because uh, I believe in uh, in Japan, Japanese people tend to uh, almost worship robots. You know, they see robots as a very positive uh, thing. So there's definitely a cultural element. I, I don't know what you know the answers other than. What occurs to me that it is inherently alien, potentially very powerful, so it makes for a good villain. Yeah, no, and, and I'll agree, and that's kind of what my my thoughts were, and, and I agree with you. You know, with the Japanese, I uh, in the Marines, I spent a year in, in Okinawa, and I got to go to a couple of the tech expos there. And again, this was the late '90s, and they had a lot of amazing uh, robotics uh, technology and. And uh, what I would consider artificial intelligence, especially like in gaming and things like that. And, um, and I'll agree with you. I think it's that, that lack of personal, uh, that, that lack of personality that most AI really has. And I think if I've understood it right, I think that personality piece also seems to be something that you and your company is trying to uh, kind of add in and, and make these things a little bit more friendly. Right. Yes, absolutely. And um you know, we describe our product as a chatbot with a brain. Right. And, uh, you know, quite clearly we distinguish it in, from pretty much all chatbots that are out there that 
don't have a brain. You know, they don't remember what you said. They don't have any deep understanding. They don't have the ability to reason. So all of the things we would expect an intelligent human to have, they lack. You know, uh, they just automatically try to categorize some utterance you make, some comment you make, and and then uh, just blindly execute a command uh, for that. So what what we are building, and we've been working on this for more than 15 years, uh, both in uh, research capacity and in commercial uh, deployments, is to, to have a chatbot with a brain so that there is actually an intelligence engine, a cognitive engine that has deeper understanding of what is being said, taking into account context, you know, who are you talking to? What is the, the topic? What do you know about the customer? What was said earlier in the conversation takes that into account uh, and, and has a much more engaging uh, conversation. Let's say the first focus is on getting stuff done effectively, you know, that really understanding what the customer uh, wants and or what they need and to be able to supply that. But it's definitely part of our uh, development, ongoing development, to empathize with the customer and their situation more and more. So one of our big customers is 1-800-Flowers, to give an example. And uh, their leadership uh, contacted us because they were looking for something that that is um, really more like a personalized concierge service. So, uh, 1800 Flowers have, you know, 10, 10 different divisions of chocolates and popcorn and Harry and David and, and, and so on. A lot of different gifting. So it's a gifting concierge. So if you can have an interaction, uh, with a customer and get to know the customer, you know, when they, they, their leadership told us when they started their business many years ago, uh, they were a small shop and they knew their customers. They knew who they bought gifts for, what occasion, whether, what, you know, the recipient, whether they like the gift and so on. So if you can have that kind of uh, empathetic conversation that's personalized to the individual, if you know who they're buying a gift for, you know, it's their anniversary coming up and what the person's name is, what their relationship is, and, and you know, the kinds of things they bought for them before, um, then that that is a very different kind of, um, you know, emotion-full um experience that people have and that's that's very much what we are working towards yeah no and i like the fact that you use that word uh empathy and, and, and empathetic there because you know again i think going back to the conversation we had before that is one of the things that has been scary about this is it has been a very cold uh rigid kind of uh, of interaction and um you know what are some of the uh you know obviously without giving away too much of the secret sauce you know, what are the some of those techniques that, that you all have kind of implemented to, to really build that more empathetic uh, uh, conversation? Because, I mean, I think that's any, anybody listening here, you know, has, has heard me talk about empathy and heard my, my previous guests talk about empathy and how important that that really is to building the connection in those human relationships. How have you guys been able to kind of suss that out of a uh, of an A.I.? Yeah, so I'll, I'll go back a little little bit and uh, really talk about you know, our technology or what we how we're doing this, and it really starts with uh, research I did quite a quite a long time ago of deeply understanding what intelligence entails, and by intelligence I mean the broad spectrum of intelligence and in. 
including, you know, EQ, uh, emotional intelligence, and really understanding what's what's involved in that, and um, you know, understanding how children learn and how our what IQ tests measure or what just cognitive tests measure, and how we learn, uh, how we interact, how we hold effective conversations, how we reason, to really deeply understand all of that. And, um, you know, one of the things to get back to sort of empathy is you really have to have an understanding to be able to empathize. You need to understand the person's situation. You know, otherwise what they're saying, uh, you're not going to be able to empathize with them if you don't understand you know, for example, they may have they may have had a death in the family, or there's an an illness, somebody they're very close to, or it might be a very positive emotion. You know, of a of an anniversary, you know, uh, or a, a childbirth or something like that. So it, it's really understanding it, but they they can you know they can be uh, very s- sort of subtle variations of of that. So understanding is 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 really key to that. Now, the way we achieve that, so to get a little bit more technical, um, DARPA described um, three waves. They talk about three waves of AI, the first, second, and third wave of AI. And the first wave of AI was really most of the decades of AI have been in the first wave. And those are logic systems that are basically programmed. And a good example of that was IBM's um, uh, uh, Deep Blue that became the world chess champion. You know, I think it was in the, in the 80s that IBM cracked the code. They figured out how they could get computers to play chess really, really well and to basically beat the world champion. And that was basically through logic various logic programming tricks to to utilize the power of computers to be able to play chess really well. And so that that sort of describes the first wave. There were also other expert systems, you know, for container optimization or medical diagnosis, all sorts of things like that. Now, the second wave is really the wave we're in right now that's dominating, dominating right now. And that is all about big data statistical systems. Uh, technically, that refers to deep learning, machine learning. But it's essentially uh, about nine nine years ago or so, there was a breakthrough when some of the companies that have a lot of data and a lot of computing power, like you know Google and Amazon and, uh, and so on, um, figured out how they could train statistical models to to, to basically be able to categorize very accurately, to categorize images uh, accurately, to more accurately uh, analyze speech. And, you know, that speech recognition has become a lot, lot better. Uh, and, and of course, to, uh, to optimize targeted advertising, you know, which uh, is trillion dollar business. So that's the second wave is basically big data statistical systems called deep learning, machine learning. But first and second wave really don't have any intelligence. You know, they don't have common sense. They don't reason. They cannot learn interactively and, and so on. So the third wave is what's called, what might, might be best described as cognitive architectures, where your starting point is, what does intelligence require? What do we expect of an intelligent system? And the things that you expect of it is that it can learn interactively. If you tell it something, you know, you, you tell it, um, I want to send a, a gift to my uh, niece, Amy, 
uh, and she loves chocolate. You know, just those few words, the system should be able to learn instantaneously and the implications that go go with it. Um, and to be able to use that knowledge then in the conversation that's ongoing. So you need to be able to learn. You need to be able to understand deeply. You need to be able to reason. You need long-term memory. So those are key requirements for intelligence. And so the third wave of AI focuses on building systems that implement these things. And that's the approach we've, we've been, uh, you know, working on. We took, uh, we cho- chose that, um, 15 plus years ago. And so we pretty much ignoring this, the second wave big data machine learning, uh, sy- systems, um, that are very successful in very narrow problems, but they are not intelligent. Hmm. No, I uh, th- uh, thank you for that. That was a lot of great information. And, and, you know, you mentioned DARPA there. And for the folks who don't know, that's uh, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. And, um, you know, they, they do, I know they do a lot of work with this, especially uh, in, in some of the, the realms of, uh, well, with robotics and, and mainly like prosthetics and things like that and, and trying to use some of this type of technology to improve uh, the, the quality of life, uh, for, for combat wounded, uh, individuals. Um, and so how do you see, uh, kind of with that and what you're doing, um, you know, how do you see that kind of integration with how we operate our everyday lives, whether it is, uh, through prosthetics, whether it is just through, you know, as you mentioned, our iPhones, whether it is through the, the internet of things, um, it seems to me, and, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. It just seems to me like this is an inevitability more than it is kind of science fiction at this point, right? Correct. Yes. Uh, in fact, you mentioned, you know, DARPA and how, you know, technology can help us every day. Um, I, I don't know how many people know, but, uh, Siri actually came out of a DARPA project called Kalo where the original conversational AI was developed and that was eventually that project was halted, but the technology that was developed was taken over by a company called Siri and then Siri was sold to Apple. Uh, and so, but it actually has its origins. Most of the technology was developed originally with uh, DARPA sponsorship. Um, so I, I see... Um, a lot of the narrow AI, the bits and pieces, the robotics uh, that are hap- happening, you know, sort of uh, you get mind control where people that, you know, become quadriplegic or, or wheelchair bound can actually control uh, machines and, and text output through thought with, a, you know, with a um, thought interface. And, and that, that is becoming reality. We, we're getting getting pretty close to that there's also you know a lot of hap- a lot of stuff in narrow robotic applications of course drones being able to navigate uh, by themselves uh, that's quite a quite a breakthrough uh, being being able to navigate difficult terrain by themselves now what what is lacking generally though is this sort of human-like intelligence the ability to reason just the kind of things that I, I mentioned to be able to learn instantaneously rather than being trained at the factory because the systems that are built right now 
will, will only be able to do that they were built for originally or trained for at the factory. They can't learn almost entirely, uh, have no ability to learn interactively in the field. So that's what we're lacking. And this is what this third wave of AI is. Once we have uh, this more human-like fluid intelligence available, and that becomes Im- embedded in, in these other narrow uh, applications, they'll become a lot, lot more useful. And I actually see a fantastic future. And yes, I believe it's inevitable. It's just a matter of time of how, you know, is it going to be five years, 10 years, 20 years before we get this sort of more advanced intelligence? Um, but I see this as a tremendously positive thing because um, if we, in our everyday lives, if we really had a personal assistant that could understand us and do useful things for us on an ongoing basis, we actually have a name for that in, in our company. We call it uh, a personal, personal assistant. And uh, to to elaborate on that, it should actually be called a personal, personal, personal assistant. And for, for the following reason, uh, the word personal really has three different important meanings here. Uh, the first meaning is it should be personal in the sense that you own it. So it should be yours. It should serve your agenda and not some mega corporation's agenda. You know, you don't really want a Siri to advise you what, what phone to buy, you know, or Alexa to tell you whether Walmart has a sale, you know. <laughs> so you want, you want to own it and you want it to serve your agenda. So that's the first personal, personal ownership. The second personal is hyper personalized to you, customized to you, that basically it knows your history, your preferences, and it knows who you are. It really becomes almost an extension to your own, own mind, to your own thinking. Uh, and the third personal is that of privacy, that certain things are personal. You want to keep them to yourself so that you control what you want to share with whom, so that your personal personal assistant, um, you can ask it for advice, you know, about whatever, things that you might not want to get out, whether it's, you know, some mental struggles you have or addiction or some difficult decisions in business or relationships. And it would be like a, a trusted friend uh, that could, help you think things through. That's ultimately how I see where these personal assistants uh, will develop. And I see that as a very positive thing to to help us become better people and, and flourish in life. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. And, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, uh, that, that is the way that things go. And I think they are, I mean, you know, uh, full disclosure for folks, I've, I've, I would never call myself an Apple fanboy, but I've had an iPhone for quite a while now. And I've noticed some of these things that you were just mentioning there. To some degree, um, Apple is is very much starting to kind of integrate like uh, like a year, maybe two years ago. You know, I started, I get my car and I'd get a thing that pop up with uh, the, the maps that would say, you know, hey, uh, it's it's 18 minutes to whatever it thought my usual destination was and it changed based on where I would go. Now, as you mentioned, and we've talked about this before, that's kind of scary to some folks that that level of tracking is there, but it seems to me, and and you mentioned the privacy personal piece that, that you, you kind of almost have to sacrifice a little bit of that uh, 
anonymity and a little bit of that uh, tracking in order to get there. Am I, am I right or am I wrong? And that's just something we're going to have to get a little bit comfortable for, uh, comfortable with having to get to that level of AI. Yeah. So the big difference that I see is sort of the first personal that I, I, I'm talking about and is that ideally you should own that personal assistant. Right. Whereas right now you don't own it. Apple owns it and controls it. Right. So, um, and you know, you're getting it for free, but you're selling your soul, <laughs> you know. <or> you, <laughs> well, in the case of of certainly Alexa and and uh, you know some uh, some other products where they will then use that for marketing as as well. Right. I think Apple is uh, better in that regard, but of course they have their walled garden and kind of force you to into Apple products into the Apple, Apple eco ecosystem. So ideally, you really want that that assist, assistant. To be owned by you now that means you'll you'll pay for it uh but you know if if it's useful to you that that shouldn't be a problem but that you control what it shares with whom and you know whether you're going to be using apple's maps and directions or whether you prefer to use google or somebody else you know that you you have that choice because it serves your purpose not some mega corporation's purpose yeah, no, I agree, and, and I like that. Um, and um, so I'm real curious, like from from your standpoint, uh, when you look at at the the future, you know, let's say immediate, short term, long term. Uh, when you look at the the future of of things like customer service, customer experiences, and just so you know, I I, I very much consider leadership that that kind of leadership follower. Uh, exchange to be very much a, a customer experience, a customer engagement uh, from between the leader and the follower. When, when you look at those types of things and how they're going to change as AI develops, how do you see this having that impact on the future? Oh, I think significantly so uh, that corporations are unfortunately are pretty slow in, in really cottoning on to what customer good customer support entails you know for the for the most part uh, either because they just big enough that they essentially have a monopoly or they're just clueless but you know in this day and age we shouldn't have to you know wait online for 45 minutes to talk to talk to somebody um, and we shouldn't have to explain our whole story and get authorized through a painful process only to be told we need to be transferred to another department and then we need to start telling our whole story again. Um, you know, those sort of things really um are we we shouldn't we shouldn't need that anymore. People shouldn't accept that anymore. But as technology uh, evolves as you know chatbots with a brain become more common, uh that kind of superior service will automatically be available where you have instantaneous access to the resource. It knows what you're talking about and can help you with things. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's just high time that consumers demand that kind of, of, of service um, and companies cotton onto it. And it's, it's very disappointing that quite often when we talk to large companies, you know, the first thing they tell us, oh, customer service and customer satisfaction is the most important thing to us and blah, blah, blah. 
and then you dig a little deeper and you know you start talking about contractual obligations or you actually start implementing things and you find in reality they they won't even implement simple systems like transferring what you collect in your your chatbot to pass that information over to a human agent if a human agent gets involved so you know simple things like that which are trivial to implement but they 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 basically couldn't be bothered um so there's i think uh, customers should just demand better better quality service no i i agree and you know again having you know been around the block a few times and and seen some of these different evolutions of of chatbots and and you know i i'll be honest i don't know how many of them uh you're associated with but i have noticed there are uh, they are getting a lot better about some of the things you just mentioned. Uh, but, you know, having a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this show, a lot of uh, folks who you know are in early stages of their business, um, you know, they may be hearing this and, and thinking, you know, Earl, Peter, man, th- this sounds fantastic, but I just don't have uh, the, the cash right now to invest in something like that. Is this expensive? Is there a high-end barrier of entry or is it kind of a tiered approach like most things are? Uh, what what would you have, what advice would you have for an entrepreneur right now thinking about this type of AI? Is it something they can afford to not pay attention to? So there are, there are some things that uh, can be done relatively inexpensively. You know, like the thing that I mentioned is to be able to, whatever data you collect, whatever information you collect, with a chatbot, even if it's a fairly simple chatbot, to make sure that you pass it over to a live agent when if it needs to go to a live agent. Um, and, you know, same same thing when a, a conversation gets passed from one service agent to another service agent to make sure that that is passed across. I mean, that technology is not expensive. Um and or callbacks, you know, to 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 basically instead of having to wait in uh, in a, in a queue for forty five minutes, uh, you know, allow the, the the support people to call you back, um, things like that. So there are a number of things. It's just really caring about the customer and doing a bit of research. Now, the the more advanced AI, like we're offering AI with a chatbot. It's still relatively early days uh, in commercialization. In fact, at the moment, we're really the only company offering that level of sophistication. And um, it's we are focusing on working with large large enterprises because usually there's quite a bit of integration involved in you know uh, integrating it with their backend system, the various uh, business rules that they have, integrating it with their call center in a, in a deep way, and and so on. So over over time, uh, you'll find more companies offering that, and uh, us being able to offer that less expensively. You know, as we kind of uh, improve the tools to implement these systems and have a bigger bigger library uh, of existing use cases. So I, I see this uh, really growing significantly over the next few years. Um, but yes, it's it's basically really thinking thinking about it. What are the most important things from a, from a customer? And wait times, having to repeat yourself. I think those are two of the things that hop, happen still way too much and really aren't necessary. 
Yeah. No, as as a consumer, I will agree with you 100% on that. Uh, I think you probably nailed uh, the, the two biggest factors there with it. Um, that being said, let me, let me ask you this question. Uh, having all the experience, all the knowledge you have, um, what is the one biggest thing that's missing from artificial intelligence today? <laughs> so, um, intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, uh, well, and that's really true because what we, what is called AI today is, is really not at all what the original, um, you know, people who originally uh, coined the term AI some 60 odd years ago, they were talking about a thinking machine, a machine that can think and learn and reason the way humans do. That was the original idea. And, uh, you know, that turned out to be really, really hard. And the technology really wasn't ready to, to achieve that. So what happened over the decades, uh, AI has turned into narrow AI, which is really just engineering. It's, it's not really building intelligence in, in a meaningful way. It's solving particular problems like, you know, container opti optimization or medical diagnosis or image recognition or being able to respond to simple commands like, you know, turn on the lights or give me the weather. Uh, so they are narrowly defined problems, uh, that have been solved through really just engineering processes without solving the problem of intelligence. And this is why in 2001, I coined the term artificial general intelligence together with two other people. And we wrote a book on the topic um, to bring us back to the original uh, vision of AI to build a thinking machine to really address what does intelligence require, you know, this, this third wave of AI. Uh, so one could argue that the first and second wave of AI really aren't AI. Uh, but, you know, to, to kind of recapture that, we decided to coin a new term, artificial general intelligence, to, to distinguish it from narrow AI. So we need more people working on AGI, on the third wave of AI, focusing on intelligence itself. That's what we need. And, you know, for, 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 for myself, the biggest handicap is is really funding, you know, that at the moment, deep learning, machine learning, big data approaches have been so incredibly successful in narrow, narrow domains that all the money and effort and investment and PhDs and whatnot are really going into the second wave of AI into deep learning, big data, machine learning. So we need to see a shift uh, of more attention being paid to real intelligence and more money going into that field. And then we will see uh, uh, rapid advances in b building truly intelligent systems. Oh, now that, that's a good answer. Uh, that's a very good answer. I like uh, where, where you let off with that, just the simple in intelligence word. And I was sitting here chuckling myself. I'm like, I think that's the I think that's the answer that to a lot of what's missing in a lot to a lot of questions out there. So, uh, you know, Peter, this has been a great conversation. We've been chatting here for a little over 40 minutes and, uh, you know, I, I'm always reminded of a, uh, of an old Albert Einstein quote that says, if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it well enough. And I, I gotta say, 
you know, coming in here with the limited knowledge I had and, and learning from you, you you have a good grasp and, and can explain this stuff very simply. And I feel like I've learned a lot. I know my listeners have learned a lot and and I know my listeners have uh, are walking away with this with uh, a better understanding of the importance of AI and what it can do for them and their businesses. Uh, so thank you for that. B- before we get out of here, I'm really curious with everything you've already shared with us, is there anything that you really want to leave listeners with before we close out? Uh, no, really just that um, we want more people not to put up with dumb chatbots <laughs> and dumb systems and, um, you know, bad customer service. And I think if, if consumers can demand more intelligent systems and if we can have more people talking about what we need is more intelligence, you know, and that's true even for when people say, you know, AI is dangerous and makes mistakes. Uh, if you look at that, to the extent that AI makes mistakes, it's simply because it's not smart enough. So yeah. we need more intelligence and any, anything we can, uh, you know, we need more intelligence to help us solve uh, disease and, uh, you know, pollution, uh, hunger, governance. You know, we, we can use more intelligence and uh, it'll improve our lives. No, I, I agree with you 100% on that. So if listeners are really on board, they're bought in, they want to not settle for dumb chat bots anymore, uh, and they want to find out more about uh, you, your company, what to, you can uh, provide, uh, what's a good way for them to, to find out uh, answers to those questions? Yeah, the simplest is our website, igo.ai, A-I-G-O dot A-I. And uh, we have a resources tab there. And uh, I also have a number of, there's a link to uh, a number of articles I've written, which are on medium.com. So you could also look for my name, Peter Voss on uh, Medium, or otherwise just igo.ai website. Okay. And as always, uh, listeners, I will have that information in the show notes. So you can just click on the links and go find out more about Peter and uh, really get spun up on on what he's doing. It's a lot of great stuff. Um, I, I just, you know, thank you for your, thank you for taking this on. Um, like you said, uh, I, I think you are, if you're not the only ones, you're pretty close to the only ones and you seem to really be the pioneers in the field. So I just want to say thank you for that. Um, and thank you for being a wonderful guest and, and sharing all this information uh, with myself and my listeners and uh, just having a great conversation with us. So thank you very much for that, Peter. Well, yes, yeah. Thank you for the great conversation too. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, all right, folks, there you have it. Another great show about responsible leadership. I really appreciate you listening. And if you have any feedback for me, please reach out at earl at leadershipphalanx.com. That's E-A-R-L at leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X dot com. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing the show so these messages can spread further and make a bigger impact. With that, I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode.
Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement. Inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast.